And Jemima and Uncle Ben, the, uh... I love, love Uncle Ben. The, the syrup lady. You, you shouldn't love Uncle Ben. He's not real. <laughs> <laughs> he's as real as, like, Peter, as Peter Parker's uncle. He's the same person. Welcome to a vacation with... A vacation with somebody new every single week. This week's vacation, Naomi Klein! On this week's episode of Vacation With, I'm joined by Russ, and together we're talking about Naomi Klein, who's the author of No Logo and the Shock Doctrine, so we're splitting the podcast into two sections. The first section is on uh, ad busting, and the second section is on how the government uses shock tactics to get what they want. This is a vacation with. Crises are often used now as the pretext um, for uh, for pushing through policies that you cannot push through under times of stability. Um, Countries in periods of extreme crisis are desperate for any kind of aid, any kind of money, and are not in a position to negotiate uh, um, fairly f the terms of, of, of that exchange. We need to make sure that the aid that goes to Haiti is one, grants, not loans. This is absolutely crucial. This is an already heavily indebted country. This is a disaster that, as Amy said, on the one hand is nature, is you know, an earthquake. On the other hand, is the creation, is worsened by the poverty that our governments have been so complicit in deepening. Welcome back to another alphanumeric episode of Vacation With. I'm joined here by uh, Russ, and uh, together we're talking about um, Naomi Klein, who's... Um, a Canadian-American uh, journalist, author, and activist known for her um, political uh, criticisms of, you know, corporate globalization. She wrote her her famous her two famous books were um, No Logo, which came out in 2000, and then The Shock Doctrine, which was, I think, 2007. So anyways, our podcast is going to be divided into two sections, uh, one to focus on her first book, which No Logo is, well, I'll talk about in a second, and then the second book uh, the second half of the podcast will focus on the the shock doctrine and I'll talk about that in the second half of the podcast but as for the first half of the podcast we're talking about no logo basically break it down is essentially she wants her readers um, her audience to basically be more aware of how ads and corporations kind of take over our public space and um the wrongdoings that go on behind the scenes uh, in such corporations, such as uh, you'll, you'll have Nike, the, the whole sweatshop thing, you'll have um, uh, there's a number of them like Microsoft, uh, McDonald's, big one, um, just to name a few, but anyways, I'll, uh, I'll just let, I'll let Russ talk for a little bit because the sound of my voice is <laughs> making me sleepy. <laughs> uh well, yeah, like it's been a while since I've I've studied that book of hers, but it was was she saying that we get so used to logos that we kind of forgive them for things that they do wrong, like they become such uh, such an important part of our lives that we kind of like let it go, or well, yeah, yeah, that's that's one like of when they transgress on like we give them like a free pass, right? Yeah, that's that's one of one of her points is that um, logos they eventually become part of like everyday life people will s sometimes hum they'll hum advertisements uh tunes you know instead of just regular music uh they'll right. 
It's it's when you replace, like you'll start replacing um, products, like actual physical products, with their um, brand names. So you you won't say tissue, you'll say Kleenex. You, people don't really say Xerox these days, but they used to say Xerox instead of photocopier. That was right. a popular one back in the day. But it's the same right. with Coke or Pepsi, I, I think as well. You don't. So we start we start like associating to these corporation names like feelings opposed to like uh, what their products are like like i think isn't that isn't that what i think branding branding started out as to get people to know what your product is so it would buy it and then it turned into why you need the product and then it turned into like more of a way of life and like you want to be part of this way of life right so you can buy our stuff which is associated with this way of life right like yeah. i think i'm i think i'm butchering it a bit but i well, remember no, that that side of yeah no no you're right in that like branding it's all it's always transforming um like one of the most recent developments of branding is once all this stuff is started coming up um against these brands um about like their sweatshops and about their you know injustices and inequal um any inequality projections um, the brands will start adapting to their these criticisms, and they'll start um, portraying themselves in um, better lights. And for example, the one uh, I know Dove Dove received a lot of criticism, and one of their campaigns to to combat um, you know uh, the whole showing these skinny beautiful girls in their ads was there was like a beauty and everyone is beautiful ad it, it, it was it was like an ad that showed not the typical like skinny right. girls the one that showed like uh, you know old people young people all ages kind of thing i mean right. <laughs> the people in the ad were still pretty like above average looking people but this is uh, yeah. this the type of thing that advertisements will do they want you to think that they are on your side is essentially right and once a brand has has that then they'll then the brand wins essentially just all these brands want your attention and they want they want your money they want your money pretty much so they want your ear they want you to like give them as as much money as possible right so it's just all these ways to manipulate you into like picking their side i guess because like it's pretty much a constant battle between companies so but i mean you could you could associate the same thing with politics or religion or all these other other aspects in life right but but the thing is with corporations is like when it comes down to it like it's the money their life is money you ha you have to keep a you have to keep a close eye and a constant eye on these brands essentially because right their image like to them the image is basically their entire um their entire line like their their entire life is their image essentially and without it right um, they're nothing because even one of the other aspects of um, no logo was that she explored was that brands um, these days they're not actually producing anything like in they don't produce anything in house uh, everything is now like either like outsourced in uh, foreign countries but the actual like the actual company itself is they've really closed it down and made it like they've shrunken it down to become more focused on just the image and just right. like, just their marketing and that's right that's essentially what companies are these days and then everything else is just subcontract subcontracted out to other people yeah because they try to associate so many feelings with the logo when the product might not at this point not even share those things like if it's like 
if it's a company that pretends to be like all American and like uh, those schmucker what's the jam? Uh, smucker? No, no, no. <laughs> the actual jam, uh, like uh, Smucker's <laughs> Jam. Smucker's Jam, like they yeah. they portray. I don't. I guess they don't have it in the UK. Maybe they do. Yeah, but uh, I've never heard of they, it. No. Oh, okay, it's it's these dads, and they show this farmer like tending his crops really like protectively and like this is the guy a like, hundred years ago that made this recipe for this jam and cared so much about it but it's like did that even happen was there even this farmer or are they just like creating this legend about something that doesn't even exist let alone what is done today is nothing like that whatsoever that's so a, that's it's how, just like that's how aunt jemima was born and uncle ben <laughs> aunt jemima and uncle ben the uh oh, i love, love uncle ben the, the syrup lady you, you shouldn't love uncle ben he's not real <laughs> <laughs> he's as real as like peter, as peter parker's uncle he's the same person uncle ben should be peter parker's uncle that would be awesome <laughs> plot it's like plot <laughs> twist i thought you were dead i was just <laughs> making rice all, all this time for for 50 years and then it would turn into like an advertisement homegrown and it's roasted but that actually brings me to um the counter of advertising which is ad busting some will call it subvertising which is essentially uh creating parodies of advertisements in order to kind of make a statement about the company or right society in general so yeah my, my question to you is if you were going to start ad busting where would you start where in toronto would you start because i'm trying to think like what's the worst place in toronto for ads right now well at this point it's dundas square which is like a mini Times square or maybe I don't, i'm just thinking just some street with tons of you know those posters they put on construction walls yeah just those yeah. Like, tons and tons and tons and tons of them but i remember those examples like um during class there was that the iPod example mm-hmm. where it was uh, as for it was ads for iPods and in the middle of these four posters long four posters wide in these giant squares but someone randomly put in pictures of one of the people in the Iraqi prison but a guy with a hood over his head and like with his arms outstretched in the middle of these done in the same way as an iPod ad but like looking at it dude like kind of a double take seeing that something might is a bit different and then you'd notice it and then you'd be like oh that really sticks out right like it sticks out in your mind although that's kind of I I don't think that was in response to Apple it was more a response to the war but it was still maybe criticizing like maybe you should be caring about more important things than buying an ipod i guess your your music yes (laughs) that being said we'll move on to naomi klein's second book which is the shock doctrine so uh russ i'll ask you if you could just summarize for us a little bit about what the the shock doctrine kind of is about from what i remember the shock doctrine is if there is a disaster people look to the government but when the government helps it uses the tragedy of the event to pass laws in its favor while people are still kind of dazed so it uses the event to like kind of like get away with things it usually wouldn't some examples of that are like you got hurricane katrina where um when the hurricane hit new orleans one of the um policies that was being pushed for a while but never able to go through was privatizing the school system after hurricane katrina hit and 
um, suddenly the government was able to push privatized uh, schooling through. Another example is the uh, tsunami. The was it two thousand this two thousand six tsunami on the beach. The tsunami destroyed basically all the property on one of the beaches, and basically it was an opportunity for a lot of corporations to basically buy up those beaches and build hotels on them. The most clear example of the shock that Naomi Klein talks about is September 11th where she claims that the government is using the terrorist attacks to go into uh, the war, like using, a, using the terrorist attacks as a platform for war. Well, and also to take away, take away people's rights, right? Like wiretapping and all that stuff happened because of September 11th. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it gives it gives government a lot more power than it usually would. Un- unaccountable power as well. At at this stage it's kind of funny seeing all these American politicians say like, "Oh, you know, I voted for the Iraq war and I feel so bad about it." Or, "Oh, I voted for wiretapping, but you know, I I'm sorry I did that, but it's should have thought that before you did it." Well, I mean, the general attitude of the American public was, "Let's get the bad guys whoever did this to us." And Right. When you're in that, yeah. I guess when you're in that mode, you just want to do whatever you can. Whoever's in power has a lot of influence because the people they want revenge. So there should also be some limits. I mean, well, you yeah, should yeah, be able to wiretap people, but you should have to do it on a warrant, which they never they never agreed to that. So the most recent shock, which Naomi Klein is warning us about, is what just happened in uh, Haiti a couple days ago. Um, the earthquake, which I guess the casualty numbers are still kind of unknown, although it's in the they said around fifty thousand. The Red Cross is saying. So let me just read an excerpt of what Naomi Klein said about uh, uh, Haiti. The Heritage Foundation has been one of the leading advocates of exploiting disasters to push through their unpopular pro-corporate policies. And they're at it again, not waiting one day to use the devastating earthquake in Haiti to push their so-called reforms. Um, The following quote was yanked by the Heritage Foundation. In addition to providing immediate humanitarian assistance, the U.S. response to tragic earthquake in Haiti earthquake offers offers opportunities to reshape Haiti's long dysfunctional government and economy, as well as to improve the public image of the United States in the region. Now, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, when you're in, in the past, like the shock doctrine, or the, the shocks that the shock talk tactics that Naomi Klein talks about are kind of subtle, but just reading this quote alone is like, by golly, <laughs> an opportunity to reshape yeah, the government and improve <laughs> the public image of the United States, both in the same sentence. So, what what do you take? What's your take on it? Well, no, yeah, I totally agree with her. I mean, if, yeah, to improve the public image of the United States in the region, it's kind of like we'll help you out, but you're gonna owe us. And oh yeah, we'll rebuild you in the way we want. And like, maybe we don't agree with this, so you're gonna have to get rid of that because you're gonna owe us a lot of money because of this, right? Uh, one of the things Naomi Klein says was that you should give. Haiti grants as help and not loans, so yeah, they're not. So we're not yeah. putting them into further debt. Because in a way, like you're not, yeah, you're not helping them at all. I mean, what uh, the Heritage Foundation would want is like a stable government, subservient to America, but totally unable to un like unslay themselves from that relationship, right? Like, just to keep them down, but keep them competent enough that uh, look towards anyone else for 
for anything. Again, they're just using the the earthquake as a platform. And they're, yeah, they're using this as a total excuse. Like, I, I want to believe that Obama generally wants to do the right thing. I think if um, if it if it was a different president, like if Bush was, was still in power, you probably would probably would would get demands like that. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know, Obama. I think that I think he would want goodwill in return, maybe. But he might be the person on top. He might be the figurehead of America. But there's still like these think tanks like the heritage foundation who like actually wield like the wheels of power right like you they might not they might not be the person on the sitting in the president's office but like he still has to like make everyone happy and like i remember him saying repeatedly on the campaign trail like i am i am like what is it i bring people together you know like i I, I see both sides like I'm half black I'm half white like I can bring everyone together on both sides and we can all be happy but in, in implying that it's like you're gonna have to co- the left has to concede all this stuff to meet in the middle I mean the American middle is like right <laughs> anywhere else in the world so I was kind of expecting this kind of to happen so it's too bad too you know. because some of the um, uh, some of the shocks that Naomi Klein said Obama could have like taken advantage of for um, a more positive reason were like when the uh, recession hit and like the the worldwide financial crisis and the auto bailers needed to be bailed out Obama could have easily said um, okay we'll give you money however we're only going to give you money if all the cars you start producing are like environmentally friendly and you start creating a public transportation system stuff like that but Obama didn't take advantage of that. Just... You know why? <laughs> why? Because the oil oil companies don't want that. He's losing all the people that believed in him in the beginning, and and he's like also not gaining anyone because he's not making like a specific difference that people can remember. Yeah, you know things have uh, started to get really bad when that YouTube video, when I know you can't video. YouTube video comes out oh, with the same is there actor, one? with the same actors. No, oh, there's, there's not one. Awesome. There's not one yet, but just just wait for it. <laughs> the exact same actors will be in it, and everyone will just be like crying and sad. <laughs> You'll have will, I, will I am will be like he's gonna change his name to Will I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> well, that scrapes the surface of what uh, Naomi Klein's shock uh, shock doctrine is, and I thought it was. Um, considering what's going on in Haiti right now, I thought it was a suitable topic of conversation just to, for our listeners to be more um, more aware, I guess, of what's kind of going on um, behind the relief effort. You have to, I mean, it's really good that, you know, governments are sending in different methods of support, but you also have to... Yeah, there's ask. a big there's a big difference hearing America has given, them, has given them $10 million. There's a difference between they've given them the $10 million or they're loaning them $10 million. Like, there's a big difference between those two. Yeah. And so, we'll see what happens. Haiti, uh, I think, definitely cannot take, like, you know, any more debt. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens in coming months, um, what, uh, I guess, what the U.S., and other countries do in Haiti and how the uh, rebuild effort um, comes about. And we'll see what Naomi Klein, maybe she'll have more input as time goes on. But uh, I would like to thank our listeners for listening. And uh, I'm going into exams now, so next week next week will be a light topic. <laughs> Why don't I get any of the light topics? Oh, you can join in next week if you want. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not sure what uh, our next week is going to be, but it will be it will be a light one, and I think the rest of January will be relatively lighter topics to give our our listeners. It's supposed to be a vacation with. This is like the most. Oh, well, I guess it, it's it's a relaxing vacation, but it's it's mind it's a it's a bit mind. Bending is bending a good word. Mind. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Mind, mind tensing. Maybe I'll say <laughs> a bit mind tensing here on a vacation with. But you could find us in the iTunes store every Monday. And this is Vacation with signing off.